This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Go to the book of Philippians chapter 3. We're going to go over a little bit of what we talked about last week, and then we're going to get into the new information. And this new information is going to take some time. But it's so important that we know the information, get into it, and let it get down in our hearts. In Philippians chapter 3, we're continuing on the subject of pressing toward the prize of the mark for the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Are you following me? So we, because we are pressing, Paul said a certain thing. In the book of uh, Philippians uh, chapter 3, beginning at verse 13, he said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth unto those things that are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything be ye be otherwise minded, if you're confused about anything, if you got a wrong way of thinking, God shall reveal even this unto you. Now, we're using this scripture in order to find out a way to understand how to press toward the mark. We need to know how do I press towards the mark of the high calling. And how do I make this continual progress in our lives. And I told you that we must be consistent. In everything that God is telling us to do in the instructions of God, consistency is key. And it's like everything else in the natural. When you are consistent, you will you absolutely will get results. It's consistency. So you take it right over. If you have an exercise regimen, when you're consistent, you get results. You take it over in the spiritual. You stay spiritual. You stay consistent in those things. You're going to get results. Amen. And then I told you that the will of God is always in front of us. You must remember that. That's key. Keep that in the forefront of your mind. The will of God is always in front of us. It's not behind us. It's not beside us. It's not something you have to think about and try to figure out. It's right there in front of you always. Are you with me? And I told you consistency can be difficult for a lot of us. And we sometimes we struggle to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We struggle from one thing to the next. You know, we move, but we're not moving forward. We're constantly doing things during the day and all the way. And at night we're tired, but we haven't really done anything. We're just moving around in a progressive fashion, but not moving forward. Amen? And then I told you, it's several ways that you can find out what is stopping you from progressing or stopping you from pressing forward. I said, first of all, you're either unwilling or you're unable or you lack knowledge. Those three things is usually what make people slow down or can't move forward. They're either unwilling, unable, 
I just don't have the knowledge or the tools to go forward. Now, I told you in the next 10 months coming up before 2023, it is very important, very, very important, all of, as, uh, with each and every one of us individually and as this church as a whole, it's very, it's extremely important that we be on point. Because I don't want anyone to be stuck in a place. I don't want us to look back in 2023 and we're even further back than we were in 2022. We must press. Amen. I told you also that as believers, our life is linear. It's always moving forward. We're always moving forward. We're always going forth. That's what God wants. And I told you this statement last week, and I told you I'll be saying it over and over again. I told you that if you are born again, and you're filled with the Spirit of God, and you're doing everything that the Word says, you're doing Romans, you're doing Corinthians, you're, I mean, you're taking every thought, bringing it into captivity, making it obey the Word of God. You are make, you're renewing your mind. You're doing all those things. And something is going on in your life, but you just can't seem to get up off the canvas. I told you that you might need additional help. It's very important in our mental state for us to be stable, for us to be solid. And it's in me, it's, it's, you can, you can have different things going on where you need additional help. Now, don't think I'm not saying that Jesus is not the healer and the deliverer, because He is. Because doctors are not a healer. Doctors give treatments. But Jesus alone is the healer. But doctors are a good gift from God to help you. So if you need to go to your primary physician or you need to go and find out what's going to you, go. Go. Because you can say a lot of things, but why come you can't get up off of the campus? Because God is not a man that he should lie. And he has already promised about two immutable things. He will not lie and he will not change. So something else could possibly be going on. And so you might need additional help. And it's nothing wrong with it. It's not a lack of faith to go to the doctor. Are you, are you following me? There could be issues in your life. There could be predispositions that you're going through. There, there could be traumas that you're going through. It could be a lot of things. You might, that could be a chemical imbalance. And those doctors can help you get balanced. And it's okay. Because if you're doing everything that the words say, say do, then that should be some results. And it's okay. Just move that way and say, you know what, I'm going to get some additional help. I told you that you need to make sure that everything in your natural health is in order because your natural health will affect your mental health. And those are the things that we have to look at. Then I told you the intent of this teaching. The intent of this teaching is for me to help you. That's all I'm here for is to help. I'm not here for anything else but to help us. Help me do what? Help you follow the instructions that God has given you. God has given us a lot, and mostly everyone in here, spiritual instruction, financial instructions, natural instructions, and you haven't done them. And you're wondering what's going on. Well, you have to follow instructions. And when God gives instructions, you cannot deviate from it. 
You can't make your own rules about them. You got to follow his instruction, whether you like it or not, whether you can see the end of it or not. You got to trust God. Amen. And then I told you, you have to examine yourself and see if you're really developing or are you just aging. And I told you, you can age and still just lack maturity and you can become more and more immature with age. So we got to say, am I developing? Sometimes you need to just listen to yourself and say, am I just aging or am I really developing? Because when you're developing, that should be a change. That should be a change in your conversation. That should be a change in your, your knowledge of the Word of God. Because I'm developing and growing. I should be, you, you should be able to sharpen iron. At some point, you should be growing and say, oh, I remember I used to think like that. You should be getting to a point where you can say, oh, I see what they're doing. I remember I was once there. Now I can minister to them. All of us have seen people that's been in places where we've been before, but have you been able to minister to them? That's the question. So I want to help us to understand where our lives is, because we always, again, must remember His will is in front of us. The goal of this teaching is that we reach the mark. We reach the mark. And the mark as I'm defining it in, in this teaching is the will of God for this dispensation and every dispensation in your life. And when I say dispensation, for those who do not know it, it's a span of time in your life. Everybody under the sound of my voice, you have a dispensation. You're in a dispensation right now, whether you know it or not. You're in a span of time. You, everybody have a span of time. And at the end of that time, you're going into another dispensation. That's why when you're in a dispensation, you're in a span of time, you develop and you get everything God is giving you in that dispensation because another one's coming. And you need to benefit from the one coming from what you learned in the last one. But if you never learn in your last dispensation and you go into another one, that's why you're so far behind got to understand those things. I have a dispensation, and it's only a span of time. Let me, time is in God's hand. Time is not something you can borrow. It's not something you can get back. Once it's gone, it's gone. You can't, you can't get time back. I know it sounds good. Ooh, I want to buy myself some time. That's just a saying. You can't. And if you do, guess what? You bought it from the time, the, that time that you need for another time. So that means when that time comes, you're going to be at a disadvantage. Are you following me? So you got to make good the time you're in now. You know, when it says redeem the time, it doesn't mean body back. Redeem the time means make good the time you have right now. Don't keep talking about what you should have, could have, would have did. And you're wishing this was that and that was this. None of that's nothing. Right now is my time. And i got to make good this time. Why? Because it's only a span of time. And you don't know when time is up. Only God. He's a giver of time and He knows when your time is up. And then we went to the book of Genesis. And we start talking about one particular objective. And we said, you know, how to press forward from my old life. Mm. 
And, you know, some of us think because we're born again that we don't have an old life, but you do. And sometimes it's attached to your new life. And you find you found out last week you can just listen to some things. You'd be like, you know, I got a lot of this old life hanging, hanging on me. But I told you in these objectives I was going to teach several, several ones. I was going to teach you how to press forward from your old life. And I'm going to teach you how to press forward from loss. That's what we're going to talk about today. From disappointment. And then I told you I want to teach you how to press when you miss God. And how to press when you're in a stagnant state. And I'm here to tell you it's amazing understanding how to move forward with the loss of a loved one. Now, when I say uh, I'm teaching on a loss, I want you to understand this. When I'm teaching on the loss, I'm going to to focus on death of a loved one or whatever. But loss can be of anything. And this teaching can go for anything. I'm just going to focus on the death of a loved one. Are you with me? And in Genesis, we looked at Abraham and we saw where God told him to leave his country, his kindred, his father's house, and go to a place that he would show him. And I was telling you, in order to fulfill God's will, you're going to have to leave your old life. I know, we don't want to leave it, but you're going to have to. That means I got to leave my old lifestyle, my old conversation, my old associations. You have to stop following the things that you always followed when you had was walking in your old life. You have to be willing to leave it. I didn't say it was going to be easy because a lot of times we all caught up in our old life. But you got to be willing. And then God will send you the help. But if you're not willing and you'll be like, oh no, I'm going, I'm, this is who I am. I'm not going to change. Well, that's a whole nother thing. But if you say, you know what, I want to, I want to do something different. I want to change. I want my life to change. But you know what? I'm just so stuck in this and I've done this and that. I, but I, God will send help. Are you with me? He'll send help. Jesus was resurrected so you could be helped. You don't have to go it alone. That's why he places you under covering so you don't. No man is an island. Not in the body of Christ. God placed you in the body of Christ so that they can, you can be, make a commitment to them. They can make a commitment to you. And when you're in trouble, they're there. When you need an answer, it's there. God has a way of doing things. He doesn't just arbitrarily do them. God is very, I'm telling everything is line upon line, precept upon precept. He's going to do what He's going to do, but it's going to be in order. And so He placed all your answers in the body of Christ. And then He gives you a gift. And He placed all your answers in that gift. And then he surrounds that gift with all kind of help. And he said, now part out. Part out some of those answers so they can help you. It's sad that most people don't use their gift. And the reason why people don't use their gift is because they look at an individual. See, all of you are looking at me now. Some of you are noticing my red hair. Some of you noticing what I have on. 
some of your, but what you should be noticing on is what I'm speaking. Because nothing else matters. Because tomorrow I might color it a different color and that's going to throw you off. So, so that shouldn't even bother you. Just look past that. If it was possible, if I could teach behind the closed doors, it would be a good thing. Then you won't have to look at the individual. But you got to learn. See, that's another part of growth and development, looking past the package. And see, some people, they get try to get so familiar with you, and they think that the package, I don't know, I don't know. Well, you got too familiar. See, when I laugh and joke up here and make different things, that's one thing. But know of a certainty. I'm very serious about the things of God. In everything that He's saying. In everything that He's bringing to this church. And so, then, and so that's one thing you have to be careful about too. Being too familiar. That's why my circle is small. Because people don't know how to fellowship and still have respect for authority. So what you do is keep your circle small so they won't get familiar. Some people lost their, have, will, will lose their whole life just being familiar. Or some people will lack everything that they ever needed because you became too familiar. But again, lack of maturity, ignorance, childish. But God is going to help us with all of that. Amen. And so there's many of us as believers, we're holding on to this old life. And But God said, you're a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. And God has an expectation for those that have things new. You have to leave old people behind. And the people in your life from your past, you got to leave it behind. Because those people in your past, they're not equipped to help you. They're not equipped to. And they will become an impediment to you pressing forward. I've seen it. And some of you, you just, you, you, you want to fellowship with that old life. The old people that's not gonna help you get where you need to be. So we have to be willing to leave our families that are, have an ungodly influence. Listen, leaving the family that has an ungodly influence. And I told you, every one of us have a family that's either fully ungodly or have some type of influence that may be ungodly. We got to recognize it and we got to slide. I got to move. Now, again, family is wonderful. I'm not telling you to hate them, to walk away from them. Families are wonderful. But it's not as important as doing the will of God. You have to put your family in the right place in your life. Just say, okay, you're my family, I love you, but this is the place you're going to have to be for now. Are you with me? Because family can dominate your life. Family can control your life. And family can stop your life from progressing, from going forward. And you will miss the mark. And there's nowhere in the God's Word I told you that God tell, tells you that you need to slow down with Him in order to please your family. I wish I would. You don't slow down because your family don't like what you're doing. 
You don't slow down and say, well, okay, I'm just going to ease up because they don't like me going to that church. Or they don't, what, whatever it is. God said, you can't find it in the scriptures where God said, now put my will on hold and make sure you appease them. Oh, no. God's not going without you will. That's called leaving your family. Let me tell you, if people love you, and family do, they just can be silly, they'll be okay with where you are. Like, well, we know, we, we, we know their standard. I love when people know my standard. I love when people know my standard. And you, you're not intimidated by me. You, you know my standard. No, no, no. I'm not intimidating. Pastor Hill was intimidating. And it was just because that was his personality. You all didn't never know when he was happy or sad. Because when you all thought something was wrong with it, was, it was his happy time. Because you didn't know him. But you can read me. And I'll just let you know. Now, that's not, that's not for me. Amen? And then I cautioned you that you have to be very careful with this pandemic, all the things that it has created. It created in us that to go back to the lifestyle we once had. Many people, they love streaming, but they don't want to come to church. They don't want to be in the midst of the fellowship. And many have gotten distracted in this ministry and ministries all over the world, all over the country. You just get distracted. You get discouraged. You start picking up things during the pandemic that you had put down a while ago and all of a sudden you're back with it. You start participating in things you stopped participating in. But now that I don't get to see people that often, I start participating in things. And when I say participating in things, I'm talking about participating in things that's outside of your faith. That you know. You've become complacent. You got comfortable. Listen, you needed Jesus before the pandemic, while the pandemic is going on, and you're going to need him after it. Because he's real. Amen. And so we, we talked about, and I don't want to go through all of this about um, uh, getting rid of the old person. You know, we, you, 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 have, you, you have a new family. You got to be okay with that. You got to move with that. And then we talked about, we went to chapter 19 and we talked about pressing forward and don't look back, not lingering. Ooh. And ain't nothing, God's people can linger more than anybody. But God is saying, no, I don't want you lingering around that. I want you to move forward. But you know what? I think we're going to go there. Go to Genesis chapter 19. Because we kind of left off sort of right here. So I'm going to start here, and then we're going to go into the new information. Go to the book of Genesis. That's the first book of the Bible, for those that may not know. Genesis 19. And let's just, let's just begin to move right here. In the book of Genesis 19, we're, we're talking about Lot here. Lot gets caught up in Sodom and Gomorrah. 
God got him out, got him, you know, and most of the, uh, most of the people that was, that most of everybody in Sodom and Gomorrah, they were all distracted, unfocused. And God comes in and gets Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah and his wife and his children. And we like to look at the fact that his wife turned back and turned into a pillar of salt, but we don't want to get into that because not only was his wife distracted, but so was Lot. And then we said that you must not linger. And we said linger means to slow walk. You got to not slow walk. And we talked about that at length, and I won't get into that, but, but I, I, I just convince you, God's people do, we do God like that. We slow walk. He gives us instructions. He tells us to come here. He tells us to sit. He tells us to be still. And we slow walk over there, and I don't know if I really want to. And you do all those kind of things, and you try to make deals with God. When He's told you what to do, that's called slow walk. Amen? That's how we do when God is speaking to us. And when the angels came and knocked on Lot's door and told him that he needed to get out, he lingered. He was still there. He wouldn't go. And then so here's the angels. They come and they grab his hand, his wife's hand, his children's hand, his daughter's hand. And he, they pulled him out of the city and set him outside. Now, how do God have to pull you out of a city when he tells you plainly through angels coming to your door to come out? Lot said, well, wait a minute. See, distracted, caught up with the affairs of life and everything that was going on. Lot was just lingering, just hanging around. Just, just, that's all he was doing was hanging around. Now let's pick it up at verse, uh, let's see, do we want to go with verse 16? Yeah, let's go with verse 16 on over. And while he lingered, that's Lot lingering, men laid hold upon his hand and upon his hands of his wife, upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass, verse 17, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape, this is the angels telling him, for your life, for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said, now, now, note, now note this, the angels are not talking on their own. They are relaying messages to him from God. He said, now get out. Get out of the plane and go. And this is what what he, well, he already lingered when, when the, the, the angels came to the door and told him to leave. Now he tells them in verse 18, after he told them to get out, go to the mountains, lest you be consumed. Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. Behold now. Thy servant had, if thy servant has found grace in thy sight, that thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Now, how much evil can you find when you lived in Sodom and Gomorrah? His daughters was going to be raped. They would, they would try to sodomize the angels. I mean, everything was going on in that city. And he's scared to go to the mountains, or he don't want to go to the mountains where God told him. 
to go. He's like, uh, you know, uh-uh. Listen, church, be careful. That's called slow walking. God tells you what to do. And you just slow walk. Be careful that you're not just saying, I'm tired of this old life. See, you're not just saying it. You're just saying something. Some people love their old life. You're just saying, I'm sick of this old life. I'm tired of these same old struggles. I'm tired of going through the same thing over and over and over. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because if you was, you would have obeyed the Lord. And you can pray till you blue in the face. You ain't obeyed the Lord. That's why nothing's happening. Are you with me? Be careful with that. But God has given you instructions. You're slow walking. They gave lot instruction. He did not obey orders. Now listen, listen to this. In order to press toward the mark, don't linger. I told you slow obedience is no obedience. So if you're just slow in obeying, you're not obeying. Are you with me? And many of you are saying that you're obeying, but you're just lingering. But God is merciful. He already picked you up out of the world. Placed you in a good church. Placed you where you could be taught well. Place you in a place where a miracle can happen in your life. Place you in a place where you can be surrounded by those people that love you and those people that can help you. And what do we do? Whatever I want to do, God. And then we said, don't compromise. Look at verse 18. And Lot said unto the Lord, not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight. And thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil happen to me. Verse 20. Behold now this city. Now, this is us. Now, he's going to tell God where he needs to go. God told him where to go. Now, this is Lot telling God where he's going to go. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto. And it's a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. Let me go to, it's just a small town. That would be better than going to the mountain. I know more than God. God, you missed it. You want me to go to another, to the mountain, but what about this little small city? Zor. What is it? That's what the name Zor means. If you keep reading, that Zor means little. And that's where we are. We try to get into things, and then we try to talk our way to God and, and ask God, what about this? It's a little bit different. Oh, I don't live with that guy no more now. You know, it's different now. I mean, we having sex because we're going to get married, but I'm not living. That's different. That's a little. We, I'm doing a little something different. We always want to do something a little, a little different. Oh no, I don't do it, do it like that no more. I'm doing it this way. That's what Lot was doing. No, we need to go there. And Zor was not the place to be. 
I don't care how little it is. That's like moving, God tells him to move from New York and, and uh, go to D.C. or whatever. And, and he said, no, I, I, what about Round Rock? See, it's a little place down there. You know, it's quiet. Surely that's where God really would want me to be. But what did God say? What did God say about your situation? And why do you keep trying to talk? Let me tell you, people that do that, they talk. They try to tell the doctors what, what their symptoms are, what they're doing. You won't listen. You won't listen to God and you won't listen to anyone. Will God rescue you from a city? This is a lot. Tell them to go into the mountain. And he said, let me go into a little place over here. Are you getting this? Now the same, again, the same mountain that he told him to go to is the mountain that he blessed Abraham to become a father of many nations. God wanted to do something with Lot in the mountain. But he had an inability to not compromise. So we have to stop looking at the little one. A difficult situation in, you know, a a little one. Zohar was not the place for him. And then, to press, you have to be grateful for grace and mercy. Now, Lot, he was grateful for grace and mercy, but he didn't take advantage of an opportunity that was provided for him. See, we can be grateful for some things, but you won't take advantage of an opportunity that God provides for you. And I told you this last week. The first place that God tells you to go is always the best place for you to be. The first place that God tells you to go is always the best place for you to be. So if I'm going to press forward, I have to leave my old life. Embrace my new life. Then I have to not look back. I can't linger. I can't compromise. I must be grateful to God's grace and God's mercy. And now we'll get into the new information. Go with me, if you will, to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. And for the rest of my time, we're going to start looking at The second objective, how to press forward from a loss. Now, I'm realizing as pastor that loss is a very significant part of ministry. And as I deal with people who have experienced loss, you begin to learn some common things. in those who struggle to press forward in those who are able to press forward and the reason why the first objective leaving the old life is important is because it is actually important to every other objective that I'm going to teach of leaving the old life it's important and it's important to this How do I move forward now that I have suffered loss of a loved one? I have found 
some things out and just going to funerals or watching people. I find in death, more people are connected to their old life. The more they're connected to it, I, I've seen it, the worse they are at funerals. Or the worse they deal with it. It shows me that they are connected to an old life. Follow me. The more people are stuck in their old life, the more they struggle with loss. And it's okay. Just know God is here to help you. Old life can attach itself to your new life. And the more that old life is, is, is right there with you, it's going to cause you to struggle with loss. And when I'm talking, I'll tell you when I'm talking about sinners. I'm not talking about sinners. See, sinners don't have any hope. I expect them to have it hard. I expect them to struggle with loss. But I'm talking about believers. And when I say struggle, I'm not talking about just screaming and hollering and crying. I'm just talking about struggling just to go on. The more, the harder it is for you to move on, the more attached you are to your old life. It's not a bad thing. It's God showing you what you got to get rid of. Are you with me? Oftentimes, when you start dealing with people, you can tell how far they are from their old life on how they handle the loss of a loved one. Most of the times, you can pretty much tell of how they handle the loss of a loved one. Listen to me closely. Nothing allows you to see how much truth that is in a person like death. That's when you see how much truth is in a person. Nothing that I've seen allows you to see how much truth is in a person like death. Nothing allows you to see how much truth is in a person when they are facing death. So I'm talking about a person that is dealing with the death of someone, and I'm talking about a person that is now facing death. That's when you begin to see the true relationship with the living God. You want to see the true relationship in a person of the living God? Watch them when they get a diagnosis or a prognosis about their health. That is terminal or it's very serious. It changes. And I'm right now, I'm, laying, I'm just laying the groundwork. I'm laying the groundwork. I 
I've seen it. You can also tell how close a person is when they lose someone to death, someone they love. Listen, death exposes our relationship to God. I know. Death exposes our relationship with the Lord. See, a funeral or a memorial service, it brings our old lifestyle, your old family, the old people back in your circle when those things happen. And then you begin to see how much it's not over. And you know, you have people in church and you think, oh, you know, they, they love the Lord. They, they got it going on. I know they love the Lord. And I, you know, I know they're strong and I know that they got, they're born again. They fill with the Spirit until death. That changes. And then you look at them and you say, oh, there it is. That old man. Because death it singles in and it, boom, now. Because we all love God and we all have faith and we all walking in the things of God when things are going good. And I've told you in time past in this ministry and I'll tell you again, I never really pay attention to people when everything is going right. I watch them when trouble hits because that is the real them. So I'm not excited about somebody doing good because everything is going good. I want to see how you are under pressure. It'll show you. Death will show you. And then you start to see all of this other stuff. The old life is there. All you needed was a traumatic experience. That's all it was. Because a death is a traumatic experience. I'm not talking about something I've heard, I've lived it. It is a traumatic experience. Sometimes loss, because it's a traumatic experience, it throws you for a loop. And again, I'm primarily talking about the loss of a person. Again, this message can also apply to any type of loss. One of the things that we have to accept is loss is unavoidable and inescapable. Death is unavoidable. It's inescapable. Everybody is going to experience it. It's unavoidable. It's inescapable. I know. We look at the loved one beside us and you think they're going to live forever. But that's unscriptural. Everybody will experience death if you live long enough. You're going to experience someone dying or you will die. It's unavoidable and inescapable. It is what it is. 
The Bible says it's appointed once for every man to die. So you're going to die. Again, I'm talking to believers that believe everything that they've read about the things of God. But God is laying it out for you. You cannot live without experiencing the loss of a person that you love. Again, it's unavoidable, inescapable. And actually, listen to me, there are times and seasons that you'll go through if you live long enough. That it's going to be times and seasons that you will go through multiple losses in a short period of time. Why? Because there's a season. Because there's a season and time of loss. The Bible teaches us that. We're going to read it in Ecclesiastes. There's a time for it. When I found him, Pastor passed away within two months of his death his brother passed within two or three months his uncle passed all in a time for it's a timing and season it's a time for loss and sometimes you're going to be multiple sometimes we'll go in this ministry and it's going to be much without here then sometimes it'll be like didn't we just have a funeral last week and the week seemed like that time from the time pastor passed, we were having funerals up here, seemed like every two weeks. But it was a time. I'm just laying the foundation. Multiple losses in short periods of time, because there are seasons in time of loss. Listen, there's just certain times, listen, when people die. There are times there will be a while before there will be a home-going service. And all of a sudden there will be multiple deaths. Even weeks. That's just the way it is. There's a time. Those are called seasons and times. You say, well, Pastor, why is that so? Because the Bible says it. Not because I'm making it up. Well, let me prove it to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. To everything, everybody say everything. Everybody say everything. Everybody say death is a thing. Okay, it says there's a, to everything there is a season and a time in every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Notice this. Watch this. None of those times are infinite. There's a time for it. There's a time to die. 
Just like there's a time to be born. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to heal. There's a time to laugh. It's important that we understand if we are to press toward forward, toward the mark, we must go forward and understand about loss. First thing we have to understand, loss is simply a time. Write it down. We must understand that loss is just a time. It's not intended forever. It's not infinite. It's not intended that you stay there forever. It's just a time. And so I'm going to make some statements here this morning that's just going to get you ready for next week. Now here, here's the, all the, the statements that I'm going to give you is going to be your homework. I want you to re-listen to every one of these statements that I'm going to give you as a homework assignment. Note this statement. You have to prepare for loss. You have to prepare for loss. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Now, most of you, when you heard me say you have to prepare for loss, you're saying, how do people ever get prepared for death? See, because you won't let me get through. Because nobody ever prepared to the sense, well, okay, well, I'm just prepared for them to die. No, no, no. no. I'm going to tell you how to be prepared for loss. You know why I'm going to tell you that? Because every one of us are going to go through it. You're you're not exempt. I don't care that you're full of the Holy Ghost. I don't care that you love the Lord. I don't care how much you come to church. You're not exempt. You're going to go through loss. And you must be prepared. Look at somebody next to you and just say, I'm glad Pastor's teaching on this. I know we, you know, it's just like telling people to get an insurance policy. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. No, no, no. This is reality. This is real time. This is real time. This is something you need to talk about. We want to escape everything. We oh, don't talk about what you want. What 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 you talking about funeral stuff? What 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 you you you? What am I gonna die? Yeah, yeah, you're gonna die. I don't care how much gym you get. You can do keto. You can be vegetarian. You can be all of that, but you will die eating vegetables. You're gonna die. So yes, you need to be prepared. Pastor, how do I be prepared? Do you really want to know? This is how you be prepared. For loss. You have to live righteous. You have to live a righteous, obedient life. So you have no regrets. No unresolved issues. So you can be prepared for loss. In the time of loss. I'll say it again. You must live a righteous, obedient life 
so that you have no regrets, no unresolved issues, so that you can be prepared for loss in the time of loss. One thing that I have found out that makes it very difficult for people to handle loss is that they are unprepared. And when I say unprepared, I'm not talking about unprepared like, oh, I wasn't prepared for mama to die. I wasn't prepared for grandma to die. No. I mean, you weren't righteous. It caught you off guard. You weren't righteous. There were areas where you had not obeyed God. And therefore, when the time of loss comes, you have regrets unresolved issues. And it's nothing worse than a loved one dying and you live in regret. Oh. Because once they are gone, there is no do-overs. There is no, okay, let me change that. Oh, let me do this. No. Once they take their last breath and close their eyes, it's over. You're not going to change anything. You're not going to say anything. All of, that's why if you live a righteous life, an obedient life, you don't suffer regret and issues, unresolved things, and things going on, and messed up because I should have did this, and I should have... No! Ask yourself, am I living righteous and obedient? Because death is coming. To all of us. Listen to me. The loudest person at a home-going service, they're usually the person with unresolved issues. I didn't get a chance to. Unresolved issues. I thought that unresolved issues. Regrets. I'm sorry, I didn't. Regrets. Somewhere you're unrighteous. Disobedient. And you see, the people who can control themselves don't have unresolved issues. Because every step of their lives, they're walking right with God and obeying His instruction. Ooh, that's it. See, not just walking righteous, obeying His instructions. Not like Lot. See, if God said, now call the gift that I've given you because they have something for you. You'd be like, oh, no, I'm not going to worry, worry her. Let me, let me do God. Oh, I can go where? You know, everybody know God. I don't need to go there. I can, everybody can go there. But what did God say? You don't need to do all of that. You better go and reference a lot in that mess. You can't tell what somebody needs when God has told them what to do. But some of you are so foolish and so carnal, you, 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 you don't even know how to approach a gift. Let me tell you something. My pastor was my gift, and I drew everything out of him I could get. 
And there's a difference with being a wife and a member of the church. There's a big difference. And I'll get to that. There's a big difference. But most people won't even. And most of you all, let me show you where you're going to miss it at. You're going to miss it with me because I'm a female. That's going to be your downfall. For no other reason other than the fact that I have a womb. Because that's the only thing, that's the only difference. No, she, she can't. I'm telling you before time. Even though it's painful to lose someone, there are no regrets and no unresolved issues when you're walking righteous and in obedience. No regrets. That's why you see fighting among families. There's regrets. Fussing and cussing and I want mama's three last plates because those are the plates she loved. All of those kind of foolish things. You're trying to get something that you're missing. Because you're in regret. Something that should have been resolved before the time arrived. Make a note of this statement. You have to deal with every loss. You must deal with every loss. It is appointed once for every man to die. And we have to deal with every loss. Because why? It's unavoidable and inescapable. So i got to deal with it. And you're going to have more than one life. Now, to date, the most devastating death it was for me was for my husband. To date. Me and my oldest son was talking and, you know, we, we talk a lot about it different things or whatever and 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 i said you know one day i will be gone he's out mom don't say it because you're going to live forever i said now now don't be silly he said, now you're going to be just like me ma you're going to live a long long time you're going to you but did you hear what you said you're going to live a long time but i'm going to die i'm going to die and you need to be prepared How do I be prepared? You better get righteous and in obedience to God so you don't have to live in regrets. Oh, I wish I would have did this with my father. I wish I would have did this with my mother. Oh, I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have did this. But you know what? Screaming at the coffin and screaming it like they could hear you, none of that, all of that is foolishness. None of that works. It's over on this side. You should have took care of all of that by being obedient. Everybody's going to go through it. And if I'm unprepared and haven't dealt with the last loss, guess what? It's going to be even more difficult to handle the next loss. Because there will be a next. 
Oh Lord, this person died, and then that person died, and then that person. Oh God, I just can't go no further. It's just too much. It's too... You gotta deal there, deal with the time. We're gonna talk about that more next week. I'm not gonna get into that right now. I want you to get, I just want you to get all of these statements down in your heart for next week. Make a note of this statement. Loss challenges your faith. Oh, baby. Death will challenge your faith. That's why it's hard to press forward after a loss. Because loss challenges your faith. Loss will challenge whether, listen, or not you've left that old life or whether you want to go back and get a little sip or two from it. Because it will challenge your faith. It will challenge your faith. It's going to challenge us between the truth and what we believe. Mm. You better write that down. Death will challenge with you with the truth of what you believe. I tell you, we believe a lot of things that death hit to a loved one that's close. It will challenge us between the truth and what we believe. Because a lot of us as believers, we do not believe the truth. You believe something else. And I can show you how a lot of people, even preachers, believe something else. That's why they can get up behind the pulpit and say, God was walking through the garden. And he plucked a flower. He needed another flower in his garden. Let me tell you something. God does not need any flower in any garden. God does not need to be an assassin. God, you know, he wanted grandma. So what, he killed her? Because he needed... God doesn't need everybody in, in more in heaven than he do on earth. Oh, and we got this one good. God doesn't make no mistakes. Well, we know. Well, all you, when you say that, all you're saying is God made a mistake. So let's just say he don't really make no mistakes. You think he made a mistake. That's timing and season of death. You're not going to stay here. I don't care. I don't care how much you hikam aside and ta-ta-ta. I don't care how much you love God. How much, I'm telling you, I don't care if you pray in the morning, noon, and night. I don't care if you fast three times a day. I don't care if you lay out prostate before God. You are going to die. It's appointed. You have an appointment. And you are not going to miss it. It's appointed once for every man to die on this side. That means the body's going down, but we know as a believer, you never die. But the body here, it got to go back to the ground. I got to push forward. We don't have to holler, God, you know, God took my loved one. 
to me, when people say that, I just think of murder. And I'm like, no. It was appointed. And your grandmother wasn't needed more in heaven than down here. There's no, I have not found any celestial garden in the Bible that he walks through. And he need another rose right in a spot. It's just not there. And all of that sounds good, I guess, supposed to someone to hear that their, their loved one is now a flower in God's garden. God did this. God did that. Listen, what does the Bible say? Stay with what the Bible says. The Bible says it is the thief that steal, kill, and destroy. Not God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that it is appointed once for every man to die. The Bible says that we have these bodies that are corruptible and at some point we have to lay this corruptible body down to get an incorruptible body. See, that, that's scriptural. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that He is the God of all comfort. The Bible tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can get to the Father but by Him. Scriptural. See, I don't want no man-made stuff. Talk. If you can't back it up with the Word, keep it. But often time and loss, we start falling back on what we believe, and what we believe is not our faith. Did you hear me? Oftentimes, we start falling back on what we believe, and what we believe is not our faith. And it's hard to try to press forward when you believe, when your belief is not your faith. And we'll deal with that more next week. And I just want you to write these statements down. Loss alters our plans. Write it down. Loss alters our plans. It altered our plans from going forward because we had plans. See, when we lose someone that you loved, you had plans. <laughs> and that person is lost altered that plan because they're no longer here. Loss alters plans. But here's the thing. It doesn't alter God's plan. Just yours. Did you hear me? Now I'm going to share something with you in these last few minutes. And I try not to share out of my own personal loss because if it's not relevant, then it's not. It don't need to be shared. And again, this is just the foundation of this teaching. And everyone know a few years ago that my husband, pastor of this church, went home to be with the Lord. But really what nobody knows 
is that my husband and I had some plans. A lot of what you don't know about our relationship over the last few years of his life was sacrifice. Sacrifice for the gospel and preparing me. And I didn't even know And my sons didn't even know that he was preparing them as well. In the early years of our marriage, until his, a few, a few years before his transitioning, our whole relationship was a sacrifice for the kingdom. And I don't mean that in a negative way. But when you have a calling on your life, it requires sacrifice. He knew what he was called to do. And he knew what God was going to do with me. And so he believed in getting those things done spiritually that needed to be done. And one time we were talking, and just within the last few years of his transition, and he said, you know what, babe? I noticed you don't call me babe so much anymore. You're always calling me pastor, even at home. I say, pastor this or pastor that, pastor this. Because at that point, we were in a founding pastor relationship, and he was preparing me. And so I was in the position, not even knowing it, not even thinking about it, but I was answering and talking to him as pastor. And he'd answer me as pastor. And sometimes I'd talk to my children. I'd say, pastor said this or pastor said that. And they said, mom, dad? I said, yes. But sacrifice. But in this, we had planned a few things together. We would talk about things we wanted to do with each other. We talked about things we wanted to do with our grandchildren. And I would talk about things that I wanted to do with him and spending time with him. And he would talk about things he wanted to do. Because a lot of our conversations over the last uh, few years was mostly about church. We didn't talk a lot about doing things together so much. It was about church and the people at the church and what needed to be done and what had to be done. And, and, and he was so into to, uh, the, the ministry class that he was doing with the ministers and he was in depth with that. And, and we talk about those things for the most part. And it wasn't a whole bunch of husband and wife talking at this point. It was about ministry. Just thinking back. And then sometimes he'll sit in the backyard with my sons and he'll talk to them about whatever. And he'll sit back there with Isaac and he'll talk to him about whatever. But me and him always had our private talks. And all of you know that my mother was going through some deep things at the time. And I would go down and help my sister a lot. So at that time, I was not here when he transitioned. I was at my mother's helping my sister with my mother. 
and I got a phone call from my daughter-in-law. See, your plans, death thwarts that. And so she told me what was going on. I said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said, well, tell me, is he responding? And we was going on. She was like, no, no, no. I said, wait, wait. Well, I, I got to get home. I got to get home. And I, you know, and I was do, just, just doing that. But I, did, I planned on being there all of my life. Whenever you go, I want to be there. Whenever you go, I want to be there. Let's go together. But I wasn't there. And he's in, and I just talked to him five minutes ago, and I said, "Well, I'm just getting the car. I'm about to come home, and I'm getting." I said, "I, I had a flat tire. I said that I took it to discount tire, and I'll be there." He said, "Okay." He said, "Well, I got uh, whatever that place, Instacart, bringing some food." He said, "I'm gonna make some great dressing for you tomorrow." I said, "Okay." And not more than five minutes later, Natalie called me. Not more than five minutes later, the people had dropped the food off at the house and the food was still on the island. But I planned on being at home. He planned on making dressing. He was waiting for Isaac and Natalie to come home. He knew I was in San Antonio. He was waiting for them. Plans change when death happens. So my nephew began to drive me home, and I left my car down there, and he just began to drive. He put on his flashes, and he drove. I said, just get me home. Just get me home. And he did, but he was gone because Isaac had already called me. My plans were thwarted. I said, don't let them take that body anywhere. I don't care how long it takes me to get there. They not, they're not to move it. That was not my plan. I had other plans. But death interrupts your plans. And when I got there, Minister Hastings and Minister Martin was outside. And I think, and I just got out and I just went in the house. That's when you can see a body there. That's when your faith is challenged. And I said, wait a minute, what do I do, God? What do I do? And I got down on the floor, and I put his head in my lap. And I said, God, what do I do? I need him up from here. I need him up. And then I held his hand. And it was cold. And I said, all of this got to come off of him. All of and I said, Mom, no, don't. You can't do all of that. You can't do it. And then God says, stop. So you got to know how to hear God in the time of crisis. 
God said, stop. And then I just sat there. And in an instant, and in a second of time, my life changed forever. My title changed forever. Death does that. And we think we're going to live forever. And both of my sons, they were strong, but they were hurting. But they were still trying to take care of me. Their plans were thwarted. Isaiah just walked off his job and just came home like, what? What? What's going on? What? What? Because everything, if you're not prepared, I wasn't prepared in the sense that I didn't know. No, I, let me tell you. I don't, you, you, you know, everybody think if you're holy enough, God would have told you that. No, God probably talked to him about it. My plans was the dressing. God said, stop, get up, go to your room, gather your thoughts. I did just that. And you know what I went to my room and did? I went to my room and screamed. And kept screaming. And kept screaming. I screamed in the pillow, out of the pillow. Then all of a sudden I heard my founding pastor's voice. Then we are prepared for this. I still just want to lay there. My children say, Mom, eat some. I said, don't, just, just let, just go. Just, I just need to be quiet. But really, I needed to scream. And God gave me all of that. Because, after all, there's a time to mourn. But it's only a time, it's not infinite. So, all the plans we made, travel plans, and what we're going to do, and, you know, you're, getting, you're going to get yourself right, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do that. No. None of those plans exist anymore. And then I said, am I stuck in this place? It was hard to move forward. We confu- See, this is the thing. We confuse our plans with God's plans. God's like, no, I already had a plan. You all planned that. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do it. God said, don't confuse what you want with my will. Don't confuse what you want with my will. So our plans didn't happen. 
But guess what? God gave me 30 days. And he said, now get up. So I can't stop. Why? Why can't I just stop? Because the will of God is in front of me. The will of God is in front of me. And you all know I would come in, I'd sit there, I'd hear it. Before any church went out, I would get out. And I, that, that was pressing and pushing. And I really wasn't hearing anything. Until God said, now, what have you learned in all these years? I had to learn to move forward. See, there were conversations that I wanted to have with my husband. I'm not going to have them. There are things that I wanted to talk about with him. We'll never talk about them. Never. That's over. There are places I wanted to go with him. Won't happen. It just won't. Here's a tip. Notice what I keep saying. Things I wanted to do. I wanted to trips with him. I was wanted to, wanted to experience this or that, with, but it's not going to happen. God said, listen, Alva, clearly. He said, your plans may have died, but my will didn't die with your husband. Your husband died. My will is still in existence. My will didn't die. Your husband did. And your God's will for you haven't died. Your loved one did. You got to meditate on that. The will of God is still in front of you. And sometimes I get it. It's hard to move forward. And people that are looking at you and just seem like everything is good and everything is deal, you still got to push forward. Why? Because my plans have been altered. And I don't have to go back and say, I wonder what God's plan is for my life. I know what it is it's in front of me. The next statement and final one. What I desire. Wait a minute. What statement? Loss is not what I desire. That's my next statement. Loss is not what I desire. And that makes it hard to move forward. Loss was not what I desired. Anybody that we love, that we lost, that was not our desire to lose them. So that makes it hard to press forward. Because there's not, listen, there is not a good time and there's not a good way to lose a loved one. Never. It's never a good time. Now I'm going to give you some points and that's what we're going to pick up next week. 
they're going to be on the board, and you can write them down. I'm going to go through them quick, and if you all leave those up if they want to write them down, because I want you to go home and meditate on them and be prepared for next week. To press from loss, I'm going to deal with each one. Number one, you must know how to mourn properly. There's a proper way to mourn. I'll get into it next week. Number two, you have to deal with what remains. <laughs> you know, whenever there's a loss, there's stuff that remains. You know, we think of the terms of the remains of the body, but that's symbolic to the fact that there are some remains, some other remains as well, that you have to deal with what remains. Number three, I have to trust God to comfort me. You have to trust God to comfort you. Nobody is going... Let me tell you, many people call, text, talk to me. Nobody could comfort me but God. I got flowers, I got stuff, I got... I mean, every, but no one could comfort me but God. Number four. To press forward, I have to comfort others in their time of loss. People who are able to move forward from loss comfort others in their loss. People that can't move forward, they need to be comforted. They don't know how to comfort. Number five. To press forward from loss, I have to honor the life of the person that I lost. And that being said, every February 14th, around that time, we will honor our pastor, our founding pastor. Even after I'm gone, I'm putting that in place. We will always, you don't have to honor me, but you're going to honor him. You always honor the person that's lost. Whether they're good or bad or, or positive or negative, everybody's life has value. You honor the person that's lost. Number six, to press forward, I have to consider my life because my life is value. It has value. You have to consider your life. My life has value and purpose. And if, you know what? And if I'm mourning the loss of a life that I, you know, I must consider what I'm doing with my own life. If I'm honoring that life, what are you doing with your own life to honor that life? It will help me press forward. And then last but not least, to press forward from loss, I have to redeem the time. I can't mourn the time that I think someone have lost. Oh, if they was here, they got to miss this. I cannot just mourn the time that someone lost and waste the time that I have mourning the one that lost time. Can't do it. I have to redeem the time. I have to make the time of my life good. And I want you to take note of all of those things. And when we get back next week, I'll review it, the, the introductory statement, and then we're going to get into each and every one of those a little deeper, more de in depth, and some more of my experience so you can know. See, this is a long story. And we've got to take it one step at a time. We've got to take it one step at a time. If you're pressing, 
and you're struggling from pressing forward, make a baby step this morning. Just make a baby step of pressing forward by committing to be a part of everyone of these teachings. Come back and get every one of That's all I'm asking you to do. If you're a visitor here, I'm not asking you to join this church. I say be a part of every one of these teachings so you can be helped in the area that you're struggling. It's a story a little bit at a time. A little bit here, a little bit there. Are you with me? A little bit here, a little bit there. And we're going to pick it up next week. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.